Hello and welcome to the She Reads Truth Podcast, where we open our Bibles and talk about the beauty, goodness, and truth we find there. I'm your host, Rachel Myers. And I'm your other host, Amanda Bible-Williams. And this is our third and final episode in our Ephesian series. And we're so happy to have our friend Trillia here with us. Trillia Newbell is in her day job. She is an acquisitions editor for Moody, but she is also an author. She's written children's books. God's Very Good Idea is one of our favorites in our house. And she also has some Bible studies. One is on Romans 8 called If God is for Us. And then just a slew of other books. We love Trillia. She loves God's Word, and it is a delight to talk Scripture with her. So I think you're going to love this episode. Let's go. Trillia, I've been looking forward to this. We have talked, how many times have we said, We've, you've got to come be on the podcast mm-hmm. so we can talk, because we regularly talk about God's Word mm-hmm. in the times that we do get to see each other, mm-hmm. Yes, mm-hmm. which are too few and far between, but... I, I don't think I've actually seen Trillia since maybe February. I probably haven't either. I but have but I also anyone? haven't seen anyone else. <laughs> so I was like, how often do we tell Trillia we wanted to be on the podcast? I haven't seen her in a very long well, time. <laughs> we, we've texted about that. Oh, that's but. true. Uh, and we just haven't seen anybody in so long. So Trillia, it's so good to see you it's at a socially distanced you. place. It, it is, is great to be here and to see you. Yes. Yes. Well, <laughs> who knows? Week three of Ephesians. Yes. So <laughs> here we are. I, okay. So week one, we had Jenny Allen. She joined us for chapters one and two. Rebecca Ferris joined us for week two. And now we get to dig into this last part of Ephesians where Paul really is giving us the most practical walking out of our response to our salvation, mm-hmm. to the work that God did and ordained before the foundation of the world. So this is just what, so how now should we live? Is this back half of Ephesians? I'm excited. In the first two episodes of this series, we read all of the Ephesians readings for each week. And so I kind of take it now as a challenge that we would also... <laughs> I mean, we got to stick the landing. We got to stick the landing. And then I've said in every episode so far that if you read Ephesians in one sitting, it'll take you about 20 minutes. And so we will be able to do this in a third of that time because we're on week three. And it's important to me, y'all, that as we talk about God's word, that you hear the word itself and not just our words and our thoughts about that. So it's fun to work with a shorter text where we can do that and have the luxury of that time. Okay. So day 15 has us in Ephesians 5, verse 15. Trillia or Amanda, would one of y'all want to read where we are right now? Sure. Yeah. All right. Pay careful attention then to how you live, not as unwise people, but as wise, making the most of the time because the days are evil. So don't be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. And don't get drunk with wine, which leads to reckless living, but be filled by the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing and making music with your heart to the Lord. Give thanks always for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another in the fear of Christ. I love your reading voice. Thanks. Oh, that was lovely. You get to read all of Ephesians today. That's great. Um, Okay. Talk to us, girls. Okay. Where were we? I feel like I need to kind of back up a minute and remember 
what was Paul saying right before he said what Trillia just so beautifully read? So okay, we had it was just, the light yeah. versus darkness. So we had just read really like from chapter five, verse eight, like you were once darkness, but now you are light. Okay. And that very last verse of last week said, get up sleeper and rise up from the dead and Christ will shine on you. Okay. And then we get to the very subtle, pay careful attention <laughs> yeah, on yeah, how yeah. you live. Yeah. Okay. This, I mean, we're getting to nitty gritty right now. Yeah, we are. And I love that beautiful give thanks always, be filled with the Spirit. This is how we live. It's not, sometimes it's a practical do this, don't do that, but it's also the broader strokes of be filled with the Spirit, give thanks always. Yes. And you know, it's interesting because you just mentioned the do's and the don'ts. Twice he says don't. Yeah. And then mm-hmm. he gives a but, this is what you do. Mm-hmm. Right. And so it's a, kind of a refreshing mm-hmm. that he, it's not just a, an admonishment and then you're left, okay, mm-hmm. then what? But he says, yeah. don't be foolish, but understand. Don't get drunk, but be filled. Yeah. And so there is just some consistency in in this really short passage here on mm-hmm. how to live, how what. How did you say it? How now what? How now shall we live? There we go. How yes. now shall we Which live? Which I think is <laughs> quoting somebody who has come it before is. us. It's a book it or something. It's a book. Maybe. Or, yes. It's yeah. One of yeah. Yeah. I think it is. Yeah. And I love, there's this verse here that I feel like we quote occasionally, verse 19, speaking to one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, mm-hmm. singing and making music with your heart to the Lord. It's interesting because I you don't normally get, and don't get drunk with wine, in the same breath as singing and making music with your heart mm-hmm. <laughs> to the Lord. So it really is kind of a refreshing, like, don't do these things. Don't be foolish. You know, no debauchery. Like, but, but here's the way you live. Like, your life looks like this now because you are light. You are in light and you are light because you are in Christ. Yeah. yeah. And just, but then, I mean, Paul with the mic drops, he does this mm-hmm. thing. But verse 21, submitting to one another in the fear of Christ but he's going to unpack Which that. Which becomes an umbrella. Yeah. And he's going to unpack that and it's going to make us all squirm a little bit. Mm-hmm. I was just thinking in all of this is about making the best use of time. Yeah. Right? Verse 16, yes. he starts out with us, but the days are evil. Well, because we live in a fallen world, the days mm-hmm. are evil. And we right. all we all know that. Mm-hmm. And it just sounds an interesting way to say it, but the days are evil. So we want to be wise, making the most of the time. And in the Greek, it means to redeem the time. Yeah. So redeem our time and purchase or purchase our time. And so there is something there about how these calling of being Mm -hmm. filled with the spirit and being wise helps us make the best use of our time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, it's good. Yeah, and even in today's reading, if you're listening on Monday, in Amos, in Amos chapter 5, verse 14, it's, I mean, the Old Testament and the New Testament are not as unsimilar as it th- as you sometimes think, but like verse 14 from Amos 5 says, pursue good and not evil so that mm. you may live and the Lord, the God of armies will be with you as you have claimed. Hate evil, love good, establish justice at the city gate. Perhaps the Lord, the God of armies will be gracious to the remnant of Joseph. Mm. I love seeing this pursuing this not passive but an active pursuing of good yes yes yeah i also appreciated the inclusion of colossians 3 in this day's reading because it i mean it ties into the ephesians passage but it also i think kind of is a kindness to us in getting us ready to move forward in chapter 5 
in the vein of the verse 21, submitting to one another in mm-hmm. the fear of Christ. But in Colossians three fourteen, above all, put on love, which is the perfect bond of unity. Oh, yeah. And let the peace of Christ, to which you were also called in one body, rule in your hearts and be thankful. And be thankful. And then here is this echo again of the passage that we just read. Let the word of Christ dwell richly among you in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another through psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. Hmm. I don't think I've noticed that theme of thankfulness or gratitude through here as much as I expected. Yeah, yeah. And it's so relational. Yeah. It's not just about us. It's about, which I guess is his point, Mm -hmm. is about our relationship with others is going to be filled with the Spirit. We're going to sing to others. We're going to be joyful in our pursuit. And then we get to those one another, submitting to one another, counting others more significant than ourselves yeah. and, and seeking each other out. So there's something, it's something interesting to me about how we are to be wise in our living, mm-hmm. uh-huh. how we are to make the best use of our time. And it's always so others focused. Yeah. yeah. Like it's about our community. Relationship. Uh, relationship. Mm-hmm. Which is not the way of the world. No, it's not. The no. world is not others focused. And yeah. I love that. I We just moved. And so we're getting a lot of like random decorating catalogs at our house. <laughs> and there was like this one teen one. And it's like, you know, like edgy teen boy and teen girl bedroom decor. And one of the art prints for like the boy's bedroom, it's like neon green and kind of black smeary, like edgy. And it says, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. And I'm like, yo, that's the Bible. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I don't know why that's in there, but I'm delighted. And it's hilarious to me because I don't even know that they like know because there was also a lot of really inappropriate stuff in there. Um, And I was like, I I kind of need to hide this catalog from my kids. But it was also like, except for this one page, except for this one page. I was like, I might order that. that That That's pretty cool looking. (laughs) An accidental scripture print. Whoopsie daisies. (laughs) (laughs) Well, but this this theme of relationship and considering others you know, better than ourselves. I mean, this is the, this is such a theme of Jesus teaching. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's, it's all through the teaching of Christ. And then Paul takes that, (laughs) that torch and carries it on through his letters. But that is, an umbrella is a good word to use. I think the umbrella under which we can read and attempt to understand these very specific relationships yes. that he's then going to call out. Mm-hmm. The first of which is a crowd favorite, wives and husbands. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but let's read it. So I actually want to back up and talk about that umbrella before we go forward, because I think to cover the umbrella before we address them individually is helpful because this week, this remaining part of Ephesians 5 is where we'll address these really specific relationships mm-hmm. where there is a hierarchy. So we're going to talk about wives and husbands. We're going to talk about slaves and masters, parents and children. And I think that it's it'll be interesting to approach these as individual topics, but also as a whole. Like, why is Paul doing this? So I'm going to attempt to answer your question and first admit that this is something that we've been digging into and attempt to prepare for the episode. But it's this some of this was new information to me. But to understand that Paul is speaking into a society 
this society as it existed then and that there were structures in place that were just a matter of fact in like Greco-Roman society. Mm -hmm. So there were households and the patriarch, the man was the the patriarch of the household and in parent-child relationships, the parent was the head of that relationship and the child had held the subordinate place in that relationship and with slaves and masters. And what Paul, what's revolutionary about what we'll see that Paul is doing is that what I've read is that traditionally any laws of the day would have been directed at the subordinate in the relationship. So, you know, at the women and like, here's how you behave, or Mm -hmm. I'm clearly paraphrasing um, the laws of the day, the Roman laws of the day, which I'm not up on. I'm sorry. Um, (laughs) But, but what Paul does is that he, he starts there, but he also directly addresses the person in authority, the person who has power and calls them to a greater authority Mm -hmm. who is Christ. So, it is a reframing of their cultural relationships and norms to recognize not a human as the ultimate authority in these relationships, but Christ mm-hmm. as the ultimate authority. And Jesus does that in his ministry over yes. and over and over, just turns the rules of society upside down. Yes. yes. You see yes. it in the Samaritan woman. You see it over and over again. The way that he related to people yeah. was different than what the world or what culture would call. He just brings earthquakes everywhere. Absolutely. Just like, and things that feel normal to us now like you know the woman at the well okay cool but like not cool yeah right (laughs) to society yeah a woman and like he's a rabbi and oh no like she's a samaritan woman and and that was just a no and and he just said yes yeah yeah so as i understand it it is not just the way in which Paul addresses this topic, just the, the format and the structure he uses is in itself pretty groundbreaking. <laughs> but then what he has to say is also, and then put all of that under the umbrella of as believers, there is no favoritism in mm-hmm. Christ. There is no Jew or Greek. There is no slave and master. Like we already have that language mm-hmm. as well, but he's speaking into a society where these roles exist. Yeah. Yes. And so he is tasked with the small, yeah. the small task of <laughs> how do I help you new young church group of believers reframe the way you approach these relationships in a Christ-like way. Yeah. So he tall order. boldly goes from submitting to one another in the fear of Christ into, so here's what that'll look like. Yes. Yeah. So it's good that we kind of explained the umbrella a little bit, but it's still, like, let's, let's dig right into it. Yeah. Amanda, do you want to read Wives and Husbands? Let's do. From chapter five. This is chapter five, starting at verse 22. Wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord, because the husband is the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church. He is the Savior of the body, he being Jesus. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives are to submit to their husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her to make her holy, cleansing her with the washing of water by the word. He did this to present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or anything like that, but holy and blameless. In the same way, husbands are to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. 
For no one ever hates his own flesh, but provides and cares for it, just as Christ does for the church, since we are members of his body. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. This mystery is profound, but I am talking about Christ and the church. To sum up, each one of you is to love his wife as himself, and the wife is to respect her husband. It truly, even just us having this five-minute conversation prior to reading that passage again, and I've read the passage before, Mm -hmm. it changes the way I read the passage Mm -hmm. to remind myself that Scripture was written in a place and time and into the existing lives of men and women who were hearing it. Yeah. And when you read it and understand and think through, okay, what is he actually talking about? He's talking about Christ in the church. Mm -hmm. And it's beautiful. Mm -hmm. Yes. Wow, Jesus really loves us that he would die. Yeah. You know, that yeah. he he's the head and I mean, he's I'm trying to find the scripture here. For no one hates his own flesh but provides and cares yeah. for it. That's what Jesus does for the church. Yeah. I mean, it really is a beautiful picture of of the bride of Christ and what he's done and how he sacrificed for yeah. us. And so I know that we get kind of hung up, if yeah. you, if I can use the word, mm-hmm. on wives submit. Mm-hmm. But when we really read this text, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's beautiful. Yeah. It's it glorious what yeah. Jesus has done for us. There are layers to it. And there yeah. is that, like, there is that surface layer of, like, a gift of yes. scripture outlining what a holy marriage is. Could yes. look like. Like, this is God's design for marriage. Like, when we're talking about what does it look like to submit to one another in love? Like, how does it look for a, a wife to submit to her husband and for a husband to care for a wife as Christ loved the church? That is a tall order. It's a big, tall yeah. order. And so, like, but to get that picture, I, I said last week, I'm thankful for clear pictures and clear instructions. And that God gave us this passage to not only say, like, this is what marriage is. If you want to know how to have a healthy marriage, this is what that would look like. This is how this dynamic is going to function the very best. And you will find your most like joy in Christ if you are functioning this way. And I want you to know that this has already been done perfectly by Christ. Yes. And that like mm-hmm. he is our example. We are not each other's example. Like he is our example. He perfectly loved us. We love because he first loved us. Yeah. And so to get the the surface level example, but then also to get to go like, Oh, wow. Christ loved the church. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yes. And so so that we can... Love each other. Love each other. And submit to one another in love. And I imagine if I were a man in the, in the time of Paul hearing this letter, that to hear him directly say to me, husbands love your wives, that that would be relatively radical yeah. <laughs> to be said, because he's he's addressing a marriage as a relationship. And this is not about the org chart of a household, mm-hmm. you know, like it, it, there's more than that. There's relationship here it's better than and that. it's a call to relationship. Mm-hmm. And I think that is, is pretty, that's pretty radical for the day. Mm-hmm. And he spends most of his time there. Yes, mm-hmm. he does. Like that's he does. What, yeah. And he's, he's, it's a call to come and die. One of the things that I'm grateful for when I'm thinking about this passage. And anytime my husband and I are trying to think through our relationships or anything, a decision or... Sure. Yeah. If it has been 
easy sometimes <laughs> to submit to my husband because he loves so deeply. Yeah. yeah. And if he, he, there is a death in his love, like a sacrifice is yeah. what I'm saying. Yeah. And so that, that, that makes it easier mm-hmm. to submit when there is a, a loving, a sacrificial love yes. um, to submit to. And that is that beauty that you were talking about, Rachel, mm-hmm. that when it's, lived out the way that scripture has called us to, mm-hmm. then it is beautiful. It's a beautiful picture of yeah. Christ and the church. Yeah. Yeah. The basis of your relationship, the foundation of your relationship with your husband, Trillia, is love. And therefore you know that he is he is acting out of love. Mm-hmm. And it does. It makes it it reminds me of Philemon, I appeal to you on the basis of love. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that like if this is all coming from and not just like, you know, love in a pop song, but yeah. like a Christ-like sacrificial love. It's a different love. Not everyone who is married is in a relationship, like you described, Trillia, where Absolutely. there is that love and that care. That is the picture of what we all would aspire to, like what scripture describes as a healthy marriage. Yes. That is not the reality for a lot of people. Absolutely. But those people don't miss out because yes. Christ loved the church. Yes. So you don't have to have a husband to feel the love that Christ gives and offers to us. Amen. Yes. Or Praise you don't have to have a husband that loves you the way that he should because Christ loves you in a way that you never deserved. That's what makes yeah. this so beautiful yeah. is that it really is focusing on Christ yep. and the church. Have you ever considered trying out our She Reads Truth subscription box? Well, we're giving our podcast listeners a special discount for 15% off their first box. All you have to do is head on over to shopshereadstruth.com slash box and enter the code box15 at the checkout. Sign up once and then have a plan to read the word of God every day. What are you waiting for? Head on over now to shopshereadstruth.com slash box. Now back to the show. Okay, let's go on to children and parents. In Ephesians 6, just the first four verses, it says... Children, obey your parents in the Lord, because this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, so that it may go well with you and that you may have a long life in the land. Fathers, don't stir up anger in your children, but bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. I want to read also from the ESV because that verse four, I think, is such a kind verse to add that fathers in ESV, it says, fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. I think that we breeze past Ephesians and think that men are off the hook because it says, wives, submit to your husband. But there is so much that men are on the hook for here. I mean, the bringing up your children in the like wisdom and instruction of the Lord. Yeah. And to read that original command where it says, this is the first commandment with a promise. So that's in Exodus 20, verse 12, honor your father and your mother so that you may have a long life in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. And it's, you know, even some of this is just part of the mystery of God's kindness. And, you know, am I going to live to be 90 if I honor my father and my mother? I don't know. But there is a way in which God honors Mm-hmm. when we honor his commandments. Yeah, yeah. And that's that's not what we get to decide. 
I also noticed I have a note in my Bible that I thought was really interesting because the book of Ephesians, the theme is unity in the body of Christ. And I hadn't thought of it this way before, but it was saying that children, one of the responsibilities that children have is to bring generational unity. So not just unity across the body of Christ, but unity with their parents. To be in unity generationally is another bond of unity. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. I'm going to use that. Yeah. I like Later that. today. Yeah. This is about unity, kids. <laughs> this is about unity. And by the way, I'm, I'm in charge. Yeah. And I'm in charge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, you want to live so long great. or yeah. you want to live a short time? <laughs> Another way that I've heard the living long in the land. Yeah. Yes, please. I've heard it is referring to eternity. Yeah. yeah. So you obey. That makes more sense if we're honest. I feel like, better about this <laughs> already. I'm, like, I'm scratching my head going like, I trust this, but it doesn't make sense to me. Like, it doesn't mean you're like going to live for a long time. Like, it doesn't but we mean, will in eternity. But we yeah. will in eternity. So living long in the land that the Lord is giving you, there it is. That Trillia. inheritance that we uh-huh. forever. This is why we talk about the Bible in this community. Is we, this it's is fun. why we find yeah. Trillia. <laughs> yeah. Well, it reminds me the way it's written sounds like a proverb almost. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like... Honor your parents and you will live long in the land. Like where we talk about how proverbs are not meant to be like laws in the sense that if you do A, B will happen. But it's more of just ways of principles of wisdom where, you know, here's one way to look at this. And then another situation might call for this. But there's, you know, they're not promises in the strict sense of if you do this, this will for sure happen different it's, yeah anyway well that's interesting yeah I do so wonder that's why. how i feel about that verse i'm like oh it's probably just that but your way is better trillia oh, okay. <laughs> I like your way better I, well i do wonder why this is the only command in the ten commandments that does accompany a promise mm-hmm. so i wonder why that is that like you've got all of these commands yeah. like the commands <laughs> you know classic commands single yeah. one of them yeah yeah <laughs> but <laughs> But then we've got here... Like, don't lie, don't covet, don't murder, don't steal. Yeah. But this is one with a promise. Yeah. Which is kind of sweet. I don't know. Maybe because I have children and I just think that's sweet. But... it was interesting. I found also in my study Bible that one of the notes said that children do not exist for the benefit of parents, but parents for the benefit of children, like that the lineage goes down, that we're raising our children to step into their own personhood yeah. with God. And like that's the goal is not that the children would benefit us, but that yeah. we would benefit them. And so the, we, we talked about unity among generations. We're pursuing that unity as well because we can push it down far past something that'll outlive us. You know, what is, I don't know the scripture, but Paul talks about that with the spiritual gifts. Okay, yeah. That that it's to benefit, there's something about it benefiting each other. So it makes sense to me that that would be, as image bearers, we're raising people to glorify the Lord. To live in their own relationship with the Lord. Yes, and then to have their own children and do the same and to like... And to extend this blessing, this covenantal blessing, and this relationship, this promise, this inheritance, all of these things down through generations. Yeah. If anyone listening has the study book, there's a spiritual gifts extra, which it is, doesn't have, I just looked, it doesn't have that specific scripture in it, but it is still a neat inclusion and a helpful tool, very helpful actually for understanding spiritual gifts and what they are. I had a friend recently say that 
spiritual gifts, like until she became a believer and actually started reading scripture for herself, she thought they were like a meme. Like my spiritual gift is like oh, really? eating tacos. Yeah. yeah. You know, and because that's, that's the way we talk about yes. them. Yes. We're flippant and, with it. And I was just like, I'm so sorry. Mm-hmm. No, these are actually like they are spiritual gifts. Yeah. And so I, it's super helpful. But it says that, like the first sentence of the extra, it just says spiritual gifts are one way God equips the church for the life and work he calls us to. Mm-hmm. And so he doesn't just do that within us as individuals. We rely on one another and the gifts of the body. So mm-hmm. it comes back to the unity and diversity. We talked about that last week of how the body of Christ is both unified and diverse mm-hmm. and how beautiful and how important both of both those aspects, aspects are. Yeah. 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 So, so yeah, if you have your study book, definitely spend some time on pages 64 and 65 because it does break down spiritual gifts into the essential gifts, like the four gifts that every believer has, that mm-hmm. faith, hope, love, and the presence of the Holy Spirit. And then you get the dynamic gifts and then the functional gifts. That's the roles and the abilities that we have in the church. It's very fascinating to look at. And there's lots of scripture references so you can yeah. dig into each one. Um, and the graphic's really pretty. And also it's really pretty. But now we're just <laughs> describing a page to you. <laughs> right, so we'll just keep moving. We'll keep moving. So now we're um, to day 18. So this is Ephesians 6, starting in verse 5. And this is the relationship between slaves and masters. So I'm going to start in verse 5. Slaves, obey your human masters with fear and trembling in the sincerity of your heart as you would Christ. Don't only work while being watched as people pleasers, but as slaves of Christ. Do God's will from your heart. Serve with a good attitude as to the Lord and not to people, knowing that whatever good each one does, slave or free, he will receive this back from the Lord. And masters, treat your slaves the same way without threatening them, because you know that both their master, capital M, and yours is in heaven, and there is no favoritism with him. Hmm. Well, this is a difficult passage. Well, it is. Trillia, I mean, I, as I read this, I want to say, like, I have like a running commentary in my head of like, really? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And like, are you sure? And is that even true? So lots of commentary. And so as a white woman looking at my black friend, I want to know, like, I mean, what is going on in your mind when you read these verses? Context means everything. Yeah. Yeah, That's exactly what's going on in my mind. So when you set up one of the other passages that we read, you started with the context, the Greco-Roman culture. Mm -hmm. And if we read this passage out of context, we will absolutely misapply it to the American slave experience. Right. (laughs) And so in that culture, I I actually wrote down some points because I thought that's kind of important. Yeah. Yeah. In that culture, one of the things to note is that often slaves, quote unquote, were part of the household. So that's already set apart. Mm -hmm. So they weren't chattel slavery. It wasn't an ownership. They were a part of their home. Mm -hmm. Another thing to note is that it wasn't based on ethnicity. Yes. Mm -hmm. That's really important important. to set it apart from the American context. Um, Paul doesn't mandate slavery. He regulates it. Yeah. So he's talking about relationships. That's important too. That's incredibly important. (laughs) So he's speaking into the reality that already exists, but he's not saying this is this is something that slavery is slavery is a good thing that should be. He's saying here's a relationship that's in your world. Yes. And here's the way. How should you relate to each other? How does it look like to live in 
submission to the gospel in this relationship. Yes, which sets it apart, right? Yeah, that's and good. And a lot of these were indentured servants, so a lot of it was because of bankruptcy. Mm-hmm. They owed something. Yeah. So it's a punishment for or payment. Like, it's a payment. Okay, yeah. thank you for correcting that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so that makes this passage swallowable. Is that yeah. the word? Yeah. <laughs> More palatable. Palatable, yeah. that's a better word. Sure, yeah. <laughs> okay, yes. It does. and But the, thank you for bringing that context. And I think that that's really important because we just kind of want to like hold our breath, close our eyes and go to like, let's go to like to the end of chapter six because like this doesn't feel right. But you're right. It's because we're reading it in the context of 2020 America. Most of us and our listeners, that's where we are. Right. Well, and in view of American history. Right. In which all of those things you just said about slavery in the Greco-Roman society, that was not the same. But they had the same temptations. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. The same temptations to do evil, Mm -hmm. to do harm. And so he needed to To not be good masters. To not be good masters. For whatever reason you are in the position of a master. Yeah. To not be a good master. Yeah. Mm -hmm. The same stuff that's in our own hearts. Yeah, that's good. Needs to be addressed. The human condition is the same. Absolutely. As it was in that society and this one. Yeah. And this will inform the way we interact with, communicate, think of anyone in authority. Yeah. So now, if we, because we understand, Mm -hmm. we now understand that slavery, the American system of slavery, was wrong. Yeah. Yes. It we can now discern, okay, Jesus couldn't have called that right. good. No. <laughs> we don't call evil good. Right. Right? Yeah. So when we read these scriptures in its context, it helps us understand, okay, how we should think about authority mm-hmm. and how we should think about when we are ones in authority. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. The same as parents and children, the same as husbands and wives, what higher calling or maybe let's say higher responsibility falls on that person that has the place of authority. Yes. Yeah. Well, and there's an equality inherent to what he is saying here. I mean, it, where verse nine Masters treat your slaves the same way without threatening them because you know that both their master and yours is in heaven and there is no favoritism with him. Yes. So you are. Yes. Really just fist pumped the air. Yes. Yes. And then, I mean, I feel like we have to go on and read one Galatians of the supplemental 3. passages, Galatians 3, 27 through 29. For those of you who are baptized into Christ have been clothed with Christ. There is no Jew or Greek, slave or free, male and female, since you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed, heirs according to the promise. Beautiful. And so if we're all heirs... Mm-hmm of the promise. We are all heirs in Christ. There is an actual legal equity there. Yes. (laughs) That is, there is a, not even, I don't know that leveling is the right word. It's like a being all being brought up Mm -hmm. almost to the same Mm -hmm. level that there is. I'm not sure. I'm trying to find a better word. I love that actual picture Mm -hmm. that it's not a, it's not a pushing down. It's not, it's, we're all scum. Yeah. And we all need to be lifted up. (laughs) Right. I mean, as sinners. Yes. We We were dead in our trespasses. We're dead in our trespasses Mm -hmm. and we have been bought with a price, yes. and we are all lifted up, heirs with Christ mm-hmm. equally, Yes, right? Yes. And so that's Ephesians 1 and 2. Yeah. And so what a blessing that this is the reality, that there's no partiality in Jesus Christ, and there's no partiality in the way he views us, and yep. there's no partiality 
that is our actual reality. Mm -hmm. There's just, there's no partiality. So that's encouraging. It is. And I love that now that we have placed, not put, but placed this passage in context, we can also not press it aside. Like, it's not like, well, that's about something that was old. This is no longer relevant. There's actually some really good, helpful, maybe even current application to how we go about the work that we do. Whatever it is, for whatever reason, this serve with a good attitude as to the Lord and not to people, knowing that whatever good each one does, slave or free, he will receive this back from the Lord. This matters right now. Absolutely. This matters right now. And we can be tempted to be afraid of this because we're putting it in our own context. We can make the error of putting it in its context, but then leaving it there. Or we can understand the full context and ask what it can teach us and how it can rebuke and correct and train us now. Amen. So we want to do all things to the glory of the Lord. Yes. So all of our work as unto the Lord. Yes. And so when we are looking at this, we can take and think, okay, how am I working as to be a people pleaser Mm -hmm. or am I working to the Lord? Mm -hmm. How am I submitting to Christ Mm -hmm. in my work? Yeah. Yes. There's so much application there. And in Christ, there is not a hierarchy but there are roles. Yes. And so, but our, even as I'm so challenged by what you said earlier, truly about like, especially those in with authority now, you know, I mean, I think of even just, you know, those of us sitting in this room who work alongside people or have people who work under us on an org chart, Yeah, you know, but so that we have leadership mm-hmm. that there is no hierarchy but it is it is a position of caring for mm-hmm. and bringing up those who we have the privilege of leading mm-hmm. and understanding that there is an absolute equality there that in the eyes of the Lord, that we are all in our different roles working as unto the Lord. Mm-hmm. With a, Does it say with a sincere heart? Is that what it says? And I like thinking about as a person who has authority that I'm, am I loving the people who are like you said, under me on an org chart, am I loving them as Christ loved the church? Like you can even ask that question. Yeah. Yeah. Because there's no hierarchy in personhood. That's right. That's exactly, that's it. So we we were saying what I was trying to say. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's what we're here for. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That's like you said, learning a community, which is a lot of fun. This is fun. And so there isn't, there isn't a hierarchy in personhood. That's right. But Mm -hmm. there are different roles and different assignments and different gifts. And this is true. I'm thinking now of like our, the household that I live in Mm -hmm. (laughs) with my family, there's a hierarchy, (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know, and there are, my children sometimes are confused about who actually owns the things in the home (laughs) 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 that I'm like, oh, 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 I'm sorry. You Mm -hmm. misunderstand. That is not actually your iPad. Mm-hmm. That is a fam- that is a possession of the family, and I'm allowing you to use it. It's like for we this call period it, of time. Like we call it your room. It's not you don't pay rent. No, right? it's not really your it's room. Not, Just it's to not be clear, really that's your my room. room. You're staying there. Yeah. <laughs> yes, but you know we joke about it, but it's true that like yes, those roles and that that structure exists in the home, but. They are like there is a, an equality in personhood. Mm-hmm. They are just as much mm-hmm. a beloved child of God yes. as I am. Yeah. My children are like the age and their their status as a child versus a grown up does not change who they are in Christ. And there's no favoritism, mm-hmm. which 
It's good. It's good. It's encouraging and convicting. It is. Who yes. wants to talk about Christian warfare? Oh, so can we for, for just <laughs> for just a minute? Rachel, settle down. No, but I'm so interested in how that immediately follows this. Other. I don't Does it know. Feel it feels jarring. It feels jarring. Like, and this is Paul, and this is one letter, and he's. What's oh, wrong? it doesn't feel jarring to me at all. Oh, okay, it does good. It? Okay. Well, but I mean, think about it. We're talking about all these relationships, and then he's like, "Listen." You don't battle against flesh and blood, yeah. you know? Okay, I mean, okay, so yeah. in Come my on, head, I'm like, trillion. oh, <laughs> well, we haven't read it. Is that what we need to I do mean, first? here's what but, we'll read it. And he, like, you're right. He's bringing us all together in unity. Yeah. And so going, like, everybody's got their own me, issues. Yes. Yeah. Good. We do. And we're going to, we're going to battle against flesh and blood if we don't understand. Truly, yeah. The read it to realm. us. Okay. I love it. I will. <laughs> Finally, be strengthened by the Lord and by his vast strength. Put on the full armor of God so that you can stand against the schemes of the devil. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers of this darkness, against evil, spiritual forces in the heaven. For this reason, take up the full armor of God so that you may be able to resist the evil day and having prepared everything to take your stand. Stand, therefore, with truth like a belt around your waist, righteousness like armor on your chest, and your feet sandaled with readiness for the gospel of peace. In every situation, take up the shield of faith, which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Pray at all times in the Spirit with every prayer and request— And stay alert with all perseverance and intercession for all the saints. Pray also for me that the message may be given to me when I open my mouth to make known with boldness the mystery of the gospel. For this, I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I might be bold enough to speak about it as I should. Let's pause for a second because that's a lot. I think I may. There's something about hearing scripture read as opposed to like reading it silently in your head. I feel like there was a light bulb, like a connection moment for me as I was listening to you, Trillia. So in Mm -hmm. verse 11, as to why, like, of course this comes after, of course this comes after those passages about relationships, but there in verse 12, for our struggle is Mm -hmm. not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic, against the enemy that who is, who is opposing us essentially Mm -hmm. is Mm -hmm. what it is. And how often are we convinced that our enemy is another person or a group of people or ourselves, (laughs) Yes, you know, like, like some sort of fact or something that we're trying to work our way out of, Mm -hmm. or, you know, a circumstance that we're trying to work our way out of instead of recognizing who the true enemy is. In so many of those relationships, like the ones and, and others that we didn't talk about, but mm-hmm. like the ones that we just talked about, whether it's someone in authority or a parent-child relationship or in a marriage where we can become convinced that there is a battle there. That, that is against is, you. It's yeah. a spiritual battle. So, yes. yes. That there's a battle there that we don't understand isn't actually a spiritual battle mm-hmm. and that that's not our true opposition. Yeah, absolutely. We have the great commandment to love God with all our hearts, mind, soul, strength, and to love our neighbor as ourself. Here is one of the things that I have just 
realized, I speak a lot about diversity and unity and racial harmony. One of the easiest areas to attack is our relationships. Yeah. And so if God says, how will people know that you are my disciples mm-hmm. by our love for one another? So for if, good, if we Julia. know that this is a spiritual battle, attack this yeah. so that Jesus can't be proclaimed. And all throughout, Paul is talking about, I want to proclaim the Lord even through my chains, you know? Yeah. He's just like so eager to play. But his battle is not with the chains. No. Or his, or his jailers. Yeah. It's and, spiritual. And and so we we've just have to, I think we just have to remind ourselves constantly that we aren't battling against flesh and blood and that this is a real, it's a cosmic, I mean, it has eternal significance mm-hmm. because it points to Jesus when we are, unified and when we love one another. Mm-hmm. And so it makes sense to me that this would be... That this connect. I love that. And sometimes at She Reads Truth, when we read something and stop reading, we ask, do I believe this is true? We ask it out loud. And so when you read verse 12, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against authorities, against cosmic powers of this darkness, against evil spiritual forces in the heavens. Do you believe this is true? I do. Yeah. You have to, like, yes. And then it says one verse north of that, or maybe two verses, it says, be strengthened by the Lord and by Mm. his, what? By his vast strength. Mm -hmm. Like earlier in Ephesians, we described it as the height and breadth and depth and width of his love. But we have here his vast strength. Be strengthened by that. Yeah. Not be strengthened in your own strength, not like muscle up your courage, but be strengthened by God's strength. And a clarification on verse 12 that the rulers, the authorities, the cosmic powers, all of those go with of this darkness. Yes. That it's the rulers of this darkness, the authorities of this darkness, the cosmic powers of this darkness. And then he's summarizing yes. against evil. All of these refer to spiritual beings. Right. Yes. Yes. Um, and it is, to me, a very daunting reality of our life that's um, hard that's of our scary. lives as christians that i don't often give much thought to mm-hmm. because it is so abstract yeah. it feels very very removed very abstract but you know i think when i think of it in terms of honestly the curse when i think of it in terms of of genesis 3 and how well, the, you know, far as the curse is found. And Mm -hmm. I don't think of it as like angels clashing in the heavens. And I'm not saying that that's not, don't mean to sound sarcastic. I'm not saying that that's not a reality. You're not saying that with air quotes. Right. But when I bring it down to Mm -hmm. where are all the nooks and crannies that the curse is found Mm -hmm. in my everyday and in you know, the li- even down to like the lies that I battle in my head, mm-hmm. you know, and like this just to remember that the enemy is real mm-hmm. and that this is not, you know, we talk often about like the stories in scripture, like these are not fairy tales. Mm-hmm. This is our history book. Mm-hmm. And, um, these and accounts. these, yeah. yes, these are accounts and that these are truths. These truths that we read are realities. But when I remember that, it's almost like one of those lenses that we talk about looking at, at the world through the lens of scripture. When I remember the reality of this and I put that lens on, I can start to see it. Yeah. 
Yeah, and, and acknowledge you, it. You talked earlier about our temptation to perceive prayer as the opposite of action. Mm-hmm. And when we read passages like this that say our battle is not against flesh and blood, but it's against like the spiritual forces, all of a sudden that turns that on its head, where yeah. prayer is not the opposite of action. It is action. Yeah, that's it, when you get like Priscilla in the war room. Yeah. In your yeah, mind, where yeah. it's like, no, prayer is, is war. Yeah. And yeah. he says it in verse 19. Yeah. Pray also for me that the message may be given to me mm-hmm. when I open my mouth. And so there is power in our prayers. Mm-hmm. And, well, we, and we see that all throughout the New Testament. There's a call to pray because it is an action and it's power. And we're praying to, if we believe, I'm glad that you said that. I love that you pause and ask that question mm-hmm. because I ask that question of myself in prayer. Good, Do yeah. I believe yeah. that I am speaking to the God of creation? Right, yeah. And that Jesus is right now interceding for his own yeah. right now. Yeah. And so if I believe that, then I can pray really mm-hmm. specifically yeah. and confidently and go broken. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so anyways, but that, so yeah, absolutely. And, and I also back to your point, Amanda, one of the things that I have to remind myself because I can get overwhelmed with the thought of spiritual round line or what, yeah. mm-hmm. that Jesus has defeated. He's the victor. He is mm-hmm. victorious over it. And so it helps me to remember that I do have an enemy mm-hmm. and that most of the things that I think are probably lies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> That's my own temptation mm-hmm. is to have a lot of lies in my head mm-hmm. about everyone mm-hmm. and everything. I'm like, I have to battle. It is a spiritual battle for me to believe truth. So I have to speak it to myself and I have to remember that Jesus is victorious. Yeah, He is seated at the right hand of the Father, having like completed the victory. He took a seat next to the Father. He intercedes there for us on our behalf. The Holy Spirit is our seal, like our sure down payment and our seal. There's so much that is at play that we don't understand, but we also know that the victory is won. And we know how to participate in the victory. We know how to, not to win the victory, the victory has been won, but how to participate as people who are sons and daughters of the victorious king. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we have to read the last few verses because we're so close to the end here. So Except here... for I don't know how to pronounce that name. Is it Tychius? Because I don't know either, actually. Listen, <laughs> we'll just all be very honest with ourselves and our listeners that we don't know Ty- everything. I have no idea. Ty- I probably Tychius. Just... But That's there's wrong. another C. Tychius? Ty- oh, you're right. Okay, so let's read Paul's farewell. Let's close out the book of Ephesians. Amanda, go ahead and pronounce that name. <laughs> Can't, but I'm going to try. Verse 21. Tychicus, our dearly loved brother and faithful servant in the Lord, will tell you all the news about me so that you may be informed. I am sending him to you for this very reason, to let you know how we are and to encourage your hearts. Peace to the brothers and sisters and love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be with all who have undying love for our Lord Jesus Christ. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God for Paul and the book of Ephesians. I don't know who Tychicus is. But I'm thankful that he delivered the letter. Yes. I am. And I also love that, like, we're kind of shaken out of our, like, oh, here we are reading scripture. Again, another moment to say, like, oh, these are these are real this people. This is a real thing. This yeah. was a, a letter that Paul wrote and had to have delivered mm-hmm. to a group of people where it was read aloud. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just nice to have those little details. 
We can say a lot of things about Paul. He's very passionate. He gets really fired up in Galatians, in the letter to the Galatians. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's super joyful in Philippians, but he, I appreciate this. Earn- I feel like if I had to pick an adjective to describe Paul when he's, when he writes his various letters, it would be earnest. Yeah. Like it feels very earnest. Like Mm -hmm. I I'm sending him to you so that you can know, like it's important to him that they know how he's doing Mm -hmm. and to encourage your hearts. Yeah. Yeah. I love that there's love. Yeah. So many times in this last little, little reading. And, and I'm just going to read the ESV because I just love this verse 24. It says, grace be with all who love our Lord Jesus Christ with love incorruptible. Mm. Incorruptible. I'm sorry, that went away. (laughs) Oh, that's good. Incorruptible. Yeah. He just finished telling us about the spiritual forces and he said, but love is incorruptible. Yes, it was so. It, I just, I don't know why I have chills, but it just yeah. every time I read that, I just am like, love incorruptible, Lord, may it be. And that's like our salvation is incorruptible. Like yes. we are sealed. And it's, I'm just so thankful that we get the book, the letter of Ephesians, that we get to really zoom in on the gospel, yes. the gospel message at the beginning, and we get to walk it out in practical ways, and that we get to be reminded that there's a lot at play that we don't see or understand but that prayer is our weapon, that the belt of truth is our weapon, that we have this full armor of God, and it's not just for the Ephesians, but it's for all of us, and that we can remember that God's love is incorruptible. Like, what a beautiful letter. I'm so thankful that we had these three weeks. Trillia, I cannot thank you enough. Our producer, Jeremy, literally just held up us like a dry erase board that said, this is my favorite episode. (laughs) So you get a a prize. Gold star. (laughs) You were such a great guest. Thank you so much for joining us. It's such a joy for me. Well, okay. So at the very end of every episode, so we spend the episode opening the word, talking about the beauty, goodness, and truth that we find there, which we did and we enjoyed doing with you. And then at the end, we lift up our heads and we look around and we identify some beauty, goodness, and or truth in our lives, in the world. Is there anywhere that you are seeing beauty, goodness, or truth in your life right now? Yeah. Well, let's see. I think there's several things. One, this is about nature. Sure. My family, we got a chance to go to East Tennessee, Okay. And beautiful. It's beautiful. So we went to the Great Smoky Mountains and we got to see one the mountains and yeah. the greenery and listen to the river. And God is so kind. Yes. That he created such a beautiful, peaceful world. They're, we're crying out, right? It's moaning. It's yeah. crying out. But it was it's a beautiful. It was just beautiful. So it's to, lavish. It's lavish. Yeah. It's so kind. Yeah. And that he is mindful of man and he created all of these things. So so that's something that's been beautiful. And the truth of it is just God's generosity yeah. and his his goodness to us to allow us to be a part of his creation. I love that. I love that. Okay, well, listeners, thank you for joining us for the book of Ephesians. It's not over because this is Monday of the last week of Ephesians for you. So you have a whole week ahead of you. You're going to do great. I'm glad that we got to tee you up for this, but I encourage you to work this out in community. Talk with your friends, your sisters, whoever, your husband, like really talk about what you're learning and it will help you work it out and process it. And Next Monday, come back because we will be starting a new series on the presence of God. Uh, This is a study. Amanda, talk to us about the presence of God. 
Well, in a nutshell. <laughs> in a nutshell. No, so the reading plan, the presence of God, the study that we're going to be doing is just been really carefully put together by our team. And we are just going to talk about God's presence throughout scripture, the promise of his presence, the reality of his presence for believers. It was a very challenging plan and study to put together, but it is going to be a delight to read through and talk through as a community. So come back. All the work and the challenge that went into assembling it means it'll be really enjoyable for you guys, we hope. We're going to get to talk about specific moments of God's presence in specific things like the burning bush, the Ark of the Covenant, in the temple, in the tabernacle, but also the the Holy Spirit, but also the general omnipresence of God. And so it'll be really good to not just have that couple of weeks of reading plan with us, but hopefully this will just help you as you go out of that plan, understand the presence of God more fully in your Christian walk. So that is what's coming next week. And until next week, Trillia, what do we say? Keep opening your Bibles.